Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 11 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. With me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. And joining us is one of my dearest frenemies, Matt Kelly, a.k.a. the Podfather, a.k.a. Fantasy Mansion. Uh, he's the proprietor of Player Profiler, the host of the Roto Underworld Radio podcast, one of the original Chris Godwin truthers, and apparently a longtime stalker of Ozmaker's DMs. Matt, week 10, how was it for you? Oh, excellent, man. Excellent. All the Christian Kirk. Christian you, Kirk dance yeah. party, baby. Woo! <laughs> Imagine having a guest who doesn't bring props to the show. All right, Sean, Chris, uh, how was week 10 for you guys? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go first because um, <laughs> I have Hooper on like all my teams, so it's pretty devastating. Um, having him go down, um, you know, going to have to stream tight ends for the time being, which sucks. And also, uh, one, one other thing I've been sweating was uh, my Chris Godwin 100-1 to that earlier in the season to lead the league in receiving. It was looking pretty promising, but uh, it looks like Michael Thomas is running away with it now, so um, that ticket's almost trash at this point. But I still have uh, Nick Chubb and Jameis Winston at pretty good odds too, but I was really hoping the Chris Godwin 101 bet would would hit this year, but it's not not looking good. I wanted to know why the Action Network hasn't sent me any props to use on the podcast. I'm feeling kind of jealous. Like, I'm feeling all kind of jealous. Like, Podfather, you don't, you don't, start, you don't slide in my DMs. Like, I feel left out. Raybon, I love you, buddy. I love you. Look, look, look at this prop. Look at this prop. This is a paper towel roll. I love you, Raybon. You're coming on the show soon, too. I'll DM you all week, I promise. Ah, oh, thank you. I feel better now. All right. So for this episode, uh, we're going to break down the players at the top of our rankings, available, by the way, at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We're discussing the guys who are high and low on. We're speculating on some props. And at the end of the show, we're answering some Twitter fantasy questions, which I know Podfather absolutely loves to do. Oh, those Twitter people. They're so smart. And they're so, they're so, they're so insightful. The questions they ask, they, they really stimulate. Yeah, like, uh, should I start this guy or this guy instead of yeah, looking at the, your rankings? Yeah, the stimulating of the intellect. Thank you, Twitter. All right, let's get, to, uh, let's get to the rankings. Quarterbacks, the guys at the top of our rankings. I'm pretty chalky. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Matt Kelly. Is there anyone that you would include in the top three uh, other than those guys? What about Josh Allen? Can Josh Allen get there? It's a pretty weak week, right? Why not I mean, Josh Allen? Is this a Josh Allen week? I don't know. Sean, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, against the, the Dolphins, it's tricky. Um, I mean, he bailed himself out last week with two more rushing touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's, he's the ultimate uh, high ceiling play this week. But if they get up early on the Dolphins, um, I mean, we could have a floor game. He's my QB six. But so Matt's right. This, this is a pretty weak week at QB. So, um, I mean, I don't hate Josh Allen. Just you have to expect a wide range of outcomes from him this week. 
He has more upside than Drew Brees, though. Drew Brees looks attractive. Oh, going to Tampa. Oh, wow, right? But when it's not a home game for Drew Brees, the splits are damning. And you got to like the idea that finally Josh Allen goes to a warm weather. And if you have Josh Allen with great conditions against one of the worst secondaries in the league, and you have John Brown on the outside, you, he could go for what, 250 yards, three touchdowns through the air, add a rushing touchdown. He's at the top of the millie maker. That's how it happens. It's Miami. It's very easy to just close your eyes and imagine that stat line from Josh Allen, right? Yeah, I mean, they're starting like three undrafted third stringers as their cornerbacks. It's, it's yeah. a pretty exploitable situation. It's so, like who he was facing when he was at Wyoming. Right. right. This is like a mountain yeah. whack secondary in Miami. Let's yeah. go, Josh. I mean, if, if I'm not even like Josh Allen, but this is the week, right? Come on. You're relatively high on Josh Allen. Is there anyone else you are relatively high on this week? I think the Dak Prescott might be a trap. Dak Prescott looks like a guy like, oh yeah, I got to play Dak Prescott this week. Love Dak Prescott. Want to play him in tournaments. But if you play Dak Prescott in tournaments, you're necessarily also believing in Jeff Driscoll, that Jeff Driscoll can make it a game, right? I don't know if Dak Prescott is going to be forced to throw enough to get there for GPPs. Because when you open up the slate, boom, it just jumps right out at you in tournaments. Oh, look at that. We got Prescott and we got Amari Cooper. Whoa, feels like a trap. Chris, uh, I believe you have Dak in the top three. Can you make the pro Dak case? Uh, Dak is just, for me, like an every week QB, like top five QB at this point. Um, Not quite, you know, there with a guy like Lamar uh, or Patrick Mahomes, but uh, Dak has tended to, to put up numbers regardless of the matchup. And they just have a lot of talent there in Dallas. I mean, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, uh, you know, still got Zeke. They don't even have to throw to him half the time uh, because, you know, Cooper and Gallup just gallivanting down the field. So uh, Dak, like even last week, it didn't feel great having him, I think it was like fifth or sixth against Minnesota, um, but, you know, kind of stuck with it. And, you know, lo and behold, um, I I think Dak's just – he's a guy that it's going to be efficient. Uh, if the volume's not there, and if the volume's there, you could have one of those Green Bay games where you might throw a couple picks, but he goes for like four or 500 yards. Who else are you relatively high on this week? You know, we talk about traps, and Drew Brees was kind of a trap last week against the Falcons, but I like Kyle Allen. Like, you know, going back to, to the well here, uh, I think you see these defenses, and maybe they have one good game, and you get scared away. But, um, you know, I would go right back to it. Uh, against a defense that's just been bottom five and everything. And I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, too, you know, going against the Cardinals, he put up big numbers last time, uh, you know, in that same spot. And we're starting to see that they're not – it's kind of like Minnesota where everyone's like, oh, they're only going to run. And, no, like if there's certain situations where they'll throw, and and now that we have seen that kind of upside from Jimmy G, I believe it was 46 pass attempts against the Seahawks. Granted, the game uh, did go to overtime, but, um, you know, I think that makes me a lot more comfortable – with kind of with kind of using him, of course, you know the health of his, you know, all of his receivers <laughs> permitting. Sean, Kyle Allen, make the case for him, or is there anyone else you want to talk about? No, I think just you know Rayvon piggybacking just proves that he's a good play this week, especially on DK. He's fifty three hundred. I consider him more of a high floor play this week. He doesn't really give the rushing upside to be QB one overall, but I have him as a low end QB one this week. Uh, the Panthers have the third highest team total, so they have the same team total as the Chiefs and Saints. So I think he, he's a good shot to throw for multiple touchdowns. Um, you know, we saw the Falcons defense come alive last week, but uh, they'll probably regress a bit this weekend. You know, Kyle Allen, you know, he has a ton of stacking partners. Um, I love DJ Moore. 
um, and Samuel and Olsen are great stacking partners along with McCaffrey. So he, he gives you a lot of options uh, at 5,300 this week to, to spend up at other positions as well. Yeah, and the great thing about playing a quarterback that may not be as talented as the other quarterbacks available on the slate, look at the supporting cast. DJ Moore is one of the best yak wide receivers in the league. Christian McCaffrey is obviously one of the best yak running backs in the league. It's necessarily true, right? And Curtis Samuel is one of the best field stretchers. So he doesn't have to do it on his own. He doesn't have to thread the needle every time. He could just dump it off to Christian McCaffrey and let him go. He can just hit DJ Moore in a quick slant, and then boom, it goes for 50 yards and a touchdown. On a play-to-play basis, those are the mechanics behind that being such a strong play. What about Jeff Driscoll, though? Because I said, hey, listen, I don't think Jeff Driscoll has it in him to create a shootout environment in Detroit, even though it's a home game, to get Dak Prescott to be you know, over the, over the top to be the best quarterback this week. But he's so inexpensive, and he's less expensive than Kyle Allen on DK. He's only 4.6K. And he actually has rushing upside. Did you know that Jeff Driscoll is faster than Cam Newton? Jeff Driscoll runs a four, five, six. There is real rushing upside with Jeff Driscoll. I kind of like it because he also has a supporting cast like Kyle Allen that can make plays on their own. You can just throw it up to Kenny Galladay. You can go get it. So there is, if you, for example, Right. Let's say you're. Let's say you're. Let's say you're trying to play three top running backs this week. Let's say you want to play Zeke. You want to play McCaffrey. You want to play Dalvin Cook. You have to pay down everywhere, and that includes potentially playing Driscoll. Or is that too fringy? No, I love Driscoll. I, he he was one of the guys that was popping in my model. I was actually surprised. Like uh, I think we still have Stafford as like a placeholder, but Driscoll is up to like I think twelve or thirteen. Uh, at quarterback in my model. Now, granted, it's a bad week, but for, for those exact reasons you mentioned, Matt, I mean, you know, the rushing upside, that's all you really need, a little bit of rushing upside, a yeah. couple of decent receivers. Yeah. And, you, know, you, you, can, you can't make – it's 2019. You can complete yeah. 50% of your passes even if you're a bad quarterback. You know, it's, it's – yeah. They're going to have to score points. Right. right? Dallas is going to make them score. They're going to have to switch into comeback mode. They're going to be the hurry-up offense with Jeff Driscoll pulling it down and running and or throwing it up to Kenny Galladay. Play that out, man. No, I love it. And they have no running game. Like, even now Ty yeah. Johnson's in the, in the protocol. I mean, it's, it's just getting worse and worse <laughs> that backfield. But the thing is, it's counterintuitive that I, I'd actually prefer to use him in cash for those reasons than in tournaments where you just you really need the top quarterback that week to get there. I, I feel like sometimes we overthink it, though. Like, Driscoll could be that top quarterback just because think about, you know, Dak, we know he has that upside. We're debating whether he will reach it. But if Dak hits his upside, let's say he gets 30 DK points and Jeff Driscoll has to like play in a shootout and gets 28 or 29. Oh, that's oh yeah. You're right. I, I actually, I, I, did, I didn't let my mind go there, but you just went there. So thank you. All right, Manchin. So you are interested at least in Jeff Driscoll this week. Uh, you are down on Drew Brees. Anyone else you're relatively down on? You know, Cowboys scouts wanted to draft Driscoll over Dak Prescott. The great irony of this game is the Cowboys were going to select Jeff Driscoll. They had his name written down, and Jerry Jones fielded a call from Michael Irvin. And in real time, Michael Irvin convinced Jerry Jones it had to be Dak Prescott. And he switched the card at the last minute. Is there a quarterback you're relatively down on this week? Yeah, Dak Prescott, for all the reasons I said earlier. Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees on the road. I think that's another trap game for Drew Brees. Drew Brees also is 40 
I know that this is uh, very available information. This is not an advanced metric, but he is 40 and he has not looked great. So maybe just don't play him on the road. Maybe they may just make that rule, make that hard and fast rule in your model. You don't play Drew Brees on the road, even when it looks enticing. He also doesn't have the mobility. So if you're, if you're not going to have the mobility and you have these home road splits working against you and it feels trappy, you just, you don't have to play that guy. All right, Sean, who are you relatively low on this week? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jimmy G. It's a great matchup on paper. He, uh, he threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns um, against these Cardinals just, you know, a couple games ago. But, you know, depending on Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle's health, uh, this, this could be a game they just go run heavy, uh, lean on their defense to, to win it. So, you know, at 6,700, I just don't think he has the ceiling uh, to warrant that price when Josh Allen, Dak, Sean Watson are the same exact price. So, playing Josh Allen over Jimmy Garoppolo, right, Sean? Yeah, for sure. Allen has a better ceiling floor combo. Um, and he's actually $100 cheaper. Um, so, yeah, th- this is just a matchup where I, I don't think Jimmy G's going to go off. We might see Tevin Coleman finally have a big game. Um, he- he's been due. So, uh, I think they'll just – this will be a more run-heavy game and lean on the defense than Jimmy G going off, especially if Sanders and Kittle are out again. I think that they'll just run it a ton. Raybon, who you got? For me, it's like guys like uh, – in rankings, just Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, guys that you might think are, you know, kind of QB1 streamable guys. Uh, you know, Goff in a tough matchup against the Bears. Defense, uh, not as tough as it used to be, but don't really like it, especially with all the, the O-line injuries. And, and then Wentz, you know, just seems like every, week after week, uh, it's a tough matchup uh, for him. Just now going up to face the Patriots, he is not Lamar Jackson. So I do not think you, you want to start him. But um, in, in just in, in, on DraftKings, yeah, I think Jimmy G probably sticks out as the guy that's the most overpriced. Uh, maybe Tom Brady a little bit too. Uh, you know, he just I don't think he has that same type of upside um that that we'd necessarily seen it's kind of not 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 to the drew Brees level of uh he's just like deteriorating or anything like that but um you know this is the kind of offense they're they're thinking dunk you know no josh gordon and all that so uh not really i'm excited for even against uh, the eagles defense i think you know they could get some pressure and kind of mess with with with, with what the patriots want to do Secondary's playing better, too. They have Jalen yeah. Mills back. They have Ronald Darby back. And they have a front seven that, that gets pressure. So you're getting pressure, and you have an improved secondary. So the, the Philadelphia Eagles' pass defense isn't as bad as it was five weeks ago when they were down to Avante Maddox. It's yeah, just it's, a, you have to look at these defenses in context. Where are they at right now with their unit? They haven't been as healthy as they are right now all season coming out of the bye. Totally agree. I think, I think that's a defense that they've always been good at getting pressure. And you look at them as like, oh, they gave these big numbers in the past game. But you, you want to target them more with wide receivers and just hope that like a wide, like a, uh, you know, a guy like Dorsett or somebody like that can hit rather than just saying, oh, they're a bad pass defense because they could just get like eight sacks and yeah, just completely ruin somebody's day. Yeah, it's going to be a Sanu week. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a big turd of a Sanu week. Whatever, man. Speaking of Sanu, one thing that is almost unfathomable, unfathomable is that the Eagles are willingly still starting Avante Maddox in the slot. For some yeah. reason, they're they are opting to, to do that. So, uh, I mean, even though they're healthy, they are still not uh, as good as they should be. And they're, you know, exploitable in, in some areas, but uh, they, they will probably be better than they've uh, shown to this point in the season. Sean, give us some of the props. Uh, by the way, I should mention that everyone should check out the prop tool at Fantasy Labs for the past year, year and a half since uh, 2018. The props that we've graded with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate. So 
pretty good number right there. Sean, what uh, quarterback number do you want to give us? So the, the pod father has been tipping his hand a little bit on this one, um, but I'm going with Drew Brees passing yards at Tampa Bay. I think, I think he's made some great points. You know, this is a smash spot, but we know Brees, you know, tends to struggle on the road. So right now I have his, his overrunner at 286 and a half. Oh God. I'm going over. I think it's a contrarian pick, but uh, I think everyone's going to be – it's like the classic, oh, we're down on Breeze, he's going to Tampa Bay. People don't, people don't try to run on Tampa Bay, first of all. Like, they're – if you look at the amount of carries they're allowing to the running back position, and granted, now, like, defensive match today, you have to be very careful with it, but this has been, like, a repeating trend of just teams aren't trying to run against them. They're a top run defense. Uh, you know, Drew Brees could dump it off to Alvin Kamara – 15 times, Michael Thomas, 15 times. They could go for six yards to catch, and boom, he hits, he hits his prop. So I'm going over. Terrible pass. That's it. I love how you said that's contrarian, even though to the public, True. what you said was chalk. But because you're on this show you with these that. characters, you had to go contrarian, contrarian. Yeah. I mean, any over. contrarian. Any over to me is, contra- uh, is like contrarian. In, yeah. In like it was chalk, chalk contrarian in the context of this show. You have to just bang. Like, unders are just the default, like, and every bet. So, every – yeah, it's like in my own head, an over is contrarian. It's, That's it's, right. Yeah, and you're, you're in your head. It's the under. <laughs> <laughs> Take the under. <sighs> I'm going no. over, actually. And I know, like, Breeze is a flow chart quarterback that when he's not at home, you don't start him. But uh, Tampa Bay is so bad. They just cut Vernon Hargraves, which is, like, a good thing, but it's also a sign of like where they are as a franchise that they're basically still cutting their number one cornerback, and that might be a good thing for them. Like their their secondary is oh, it is a good thing. The totally other trash. corners they have in the secondary are athletic, so it puts better players in a position to cover primary wide receivers. I like the move for them. I think it helps their pass defense getting rid of. Vernon Hargreaves. Yeah, they're starting rookies now. It's like this is not a good situation in general. Like Breeze, he can get over 286 yards. I haven't projected for 290. I'll, I'll take the over. I think the line's close, but I'll take the over there. All right, let's go to uh, running backs. The guys at the top of our rankings, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Podfather. What do you think of those, those guys? Anyone else that you would include in the top three? I think you could build a case for moving Josh Jacobs into the top three and moving out Ezekiel Elliott. And I think in cash games, you're going to make a choice of two of these three running backs, unless you want to play Driscoll and Ryan Griffin, right? Go down the board there. You can, you, there's a path, right, to play all, to jam in all three. But if you're making a decision in cash, who are you knocking out? I'm knocking out Elliott because he's not involved in the passing game. He's just not in the offseason. The Dallas Cowboys tipped their hand, right? You have Michael Gallup developing into a true weapon on the outside. They add Randall Cobb, who operates close to the line of scrimmage. They added Jason Witten close to the line of scrimmage. They added Tony Pollard, right? So the law of the conservation of targets tells you all those close to the line of scrimmage targets that were going to Ezekiel Elliott are now being distributed around all these new weapons. So now he's getting one to two targets a game the last couple of weeks. And now they're in a position where they're going to be facing Jeff Driscoll, right? 9K on DK for a running back that no longer catches passes? How is that possible? You think Derrick Henry would ever be 9K on DraftKings? That's a brand equity salary pegging by DraftKings. Get out of here. Get out of here with a player who's now a workhorse. I give it as a workhorse. He's just not a bell cow. He's not a bell cow. And in that game, it might be low scoring. And you're banking on Ezekiel Elliott 
going over 100 yards and two touchdowns. That's the path. I mean, even then, even if he goes over 100 yards and two touchdowns, he still may not get to 3x on DraftKings. Think about that. Let that sink in without the passing game upside. Who is right. like who? Somebody's got to 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 score fantasy points in this game, though. <laughs> One of the projected highest score games of the week. Somebody's got to score fantasy points. Someone's going to score. It's going to be Jeff Driscoll. It's going to be Jeff Driscoll. And okay, they get in the red zone. Great, right over the red zone. Oh, Dak Prescott, five yard touchdown. All right, so you are relatively down on Zeke. You're high on Josh Jacobs. I'm there with you on Jacobs. Uh, Double-digit home favorite going against the Bengals defense. That's top four in running back scoring. A great spot for him. Totally love it. Sean, who are you relatively high on this week? Pretty high on both running backs in the uh, the Bills Dolphins game. Um, you know, Kalen Balage, say what you want. I know he's he's pretty bad, but at forty three hundred, um, I'll take him this week. Um, you know, he had the full workhorse role last week. Um, you know, we thought Gaskin and Laird would mix in, but you know, uh, Balage played eighty two percent of the snaps. Um, he saw four targets. Granted, he converted that into four catches for two yards, but um, at 4,300, we're not asking for much. And, you know, he's going to get the goal line carries if, if they arise in this game for them. Um, and then, you know, Devin Singletary, again, he had 67% of the snaps. We didn't really see, um, you know, the, the touch count you'd expect from that. Um, it could have had to do with the game flow. You know, the Bills were down pretty early playing catch-up. Um, so in this matchup against the Dolphins, I think uh, we're going to see, you know, 15 to – 20 touches for him. And again, they gave uh, Frank Gore another goal line carry and he got stuffed. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're going to start to give Singletary the goal line carries. Um, so I, I just view Singletary as like a low key workhorse back at 6K uh, against the Dolphins. Um, he's going to be one of my uh, highest owned running backs on this slate. So, so I love both. I, I wouldn't say I love Balaj, but I like him at his price relative to his projection this week. You can never so, love Balaj. <laughs> right, you can't love him. No, you can never love – no one's ever going to love Balaj. You can love Singletary this week. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, my so God. I, love, I love that Frank Gore only got five carries last week. But that was the most important number. And that once again, Devin Singletary doubled his yards per carry. <laughs> he does it every week. Eventually, the Bills coaches have to put on the tape from the previous week, right? And be like, okay, Frank, well, why don't you just take a seat, buddy? Maybe not get up. If they're smart, Singletary will, you know, see 20 touches this week. So, uh, I agree. And uh, th- this matchup is perfect for him. Raybon, who do you like this week? A couple guys going against bad run defenses. You got Brian Hill for the uh, Falcons. Looks like he's going to be starting for Devontae Friedman, Panthers, the number 32 ranked run defense. And I thought, I always think it's interesting. Like we talked about this a little bit with Bellage last week, but looking at the guys who may back up a guy who's kind of thrust into the role, uh, because there was a lot, of, a lot of value there in terms of touches for guys like Edmonds and, and Bellage, even though he didn't really hit. Um, and then, so for the Falcons, like Kenyon Barner is the other running back and he plays special teams, but they only gave him one carry. Um, that's his high for the year. He's only got two carries on a year and the, and Quinn said uh, Quadri Allison might be involved, which kind of tells he's been a scratch all year. So it's kind of another situation, kind of like the Gaskin thing, where uh, I think you, you kind of slot Hill in for 20-touch uh, upside, and he got 20 carries last week uh, when, when Freeman went down. So I like him, uh, you know, cheap option on DK. And then on, on the high end, Leonard Fournette, uh, he's a guy I think you could also make a case for over Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Leonard Fournette has, for the most part, been involved in the passing game uh, all season. His low in snap count is 78%. And this Colts defense is number 27 in run DVOA, number six in pass DVOA. So uh, it sets up as one of those situations where they keep uh, handing it to Fournette. 
Are you guys worried about the Carolina Panthers defense not being as bad as they look? They've given up all these touchdowns to opposing running backs, but not as much on, they're not as bad against running backs. And we just, when you'll get pure yardage and efficiency, getting correct, like we see the, the, the same old Falcons where the run game has been one of the worst in the league, lowest efficiency run blocking in the NFC. It's very possible that Brian Hill doesn't get there just because he's shut down, he's shut out early, they have to pivot over to pass mode, and he's forgotten about in the second half. That's, that's the risk with Brian Hill on the road at Carolina. I don't know about that, though, because I think, you know, with running backs, efficiency is so uh, close together between, you know, the top guys and the bottom guys that you have to go with opportunity. He was a guy that even in the, like, we saw in the preseason, he can play on, he, on pass downs as well. Um, I think the only reason Barney even got any run was because, I mean, Hill did have 20 carries, and they had to put some other back in the game at some point. But uh, I do think, I think you just have to go with the opportunity here and you have a situation where a guy who could essentially get all of the touches for uh, you know, a really cheap price. In the context of the slate, I'm just struggling to find places where I would be motivated to plug in Brian Hill and DFS. So it's, it's very much the difference between the DFS play versus seasonal leagues, where he's definitely someone you're going to flex. I would just flex. Like I would feel more comfortable flexing him than Balazs, to be honest. I mean, Sean, would you, rather, would you rather flex Hill or Balazs? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not that concerned about Barner or even Olison. I think they'll just be change of pace uh, backs. Olison looked like shit in the preseason. I think Barner. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. yeah uh, the reason these guys are scratches, look at Gaskin. Like, he didn't get a. Did he even get a carry? He got like one carry or something, like two touches last week. Like, this is. Right. There's major upside here. I, if they get down early, I could see them turning to Barner as being sort of the. Um, you know, the pass catching back, that'd be my only concern. But I, I do think Hill's going to be the workhorse back here. And, you know, the price um, at 4800 I, I don't think you're taking that much of a risk uh, with him. He, he probably will be chalky. Um, so that's the only reason to maybe fade him in tournaments. But I, I do like Hill uh, a lot this week. All right, Kelly, you are relatively low on Zeke. Anyone else you're kind of low on this week? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, Maybe Marlon Mack. I mean, it's a, I like the home game, but it, quarterback matters, man. And Brian Hoyer is not Jacoby Brissett. I think we're now starting to have this additional appreciation for Jacoby Brissett. It was really bad timing, right? This, this reminded me of the Teddy Bridgewater knee injury where the guy's a free agent. He's going to make millions of dollars, become the starter next season. Then he hurt then he hurt. And that happened to Jacoby Brissett as well. So kind of a devastating timing for that knee injury and devastating timing for the Colts who had actually figured out a way to win with their backup quarterback in the NFL, which is hard to do. Uh, But Marlon Mack is really, I think, the guy that suffers more than the receivers. If you can't matriculate the ball down the field, if you can't sustain drives, Marlon Mack needs those red zone touches to score fantasy points. And it's an under-discussed aspect of running back production, who the quarterback is, and can they sustain drives. The answer is not really, and especially not against Jacksonville, even even at home. You want to play Marlon Mack at home, I get it. But to me, it's an easy fade. Sean, who are you relatively low on? Uh, so, you know, Royce Freeman's a guy that I, I think people usually overlook. Um, so he might be surprising as he's on my low on. But he's a guy I've been sort of propping up the past couple of weeks as a, you know, by low guy. I love um, RB2 flex type running backs that have the potential to be an RB1 if the, their counterpart and their committee goes down. Um, so... But, you know, the first game Brandon Allen started, um, it was a bit concerning that he only targeted Freeman and Lindsey once. Um, and Freeman does get most of his 
um, production in the passing game. So it was a bit concerning that Brandon Allen, he was more willing to just pull it down, run with it, than dump it off uh, to Freeman. So we're going to have to monitor this. I, I wouldn't start him this week if you can help it. Um, so leave him on your bench and sort of see how this this pans out. But also, uh, Devontae Booker made his first appearance this, this year and got a catch. Um, so, you know, if Are you he gets, kidding me? Yeah, so if he gets involved at all, you know. He's back? He's back. <laughs> so, you know. You know, just he, put him and, and Frank Gore and, and Kalen Balaj on, on a team together. <laughs> just never forget. Just like forget him, that team, man. Right, put him on the Eagles. That would be great. Yeah, just put him on somewhere. Um, but, yeah, so the, that's a big concern. So I, I'm, I'm leaving Freeman on my bench this week, which is a shame because, you know, the past few weeks I've been telling people to buy low. I do love him long term. But um, with Brand Allen um, under center, it has changed things. So that, that's why I'm pretty low on him this week. Well, that's actually – you're taking that in a more granular way, not just saying, hey, is this quarterback good or bad, but specifically the way this quarterback plays hurts particular yeah. running backs. He, he had and some that, plays that's where interesting. He, he would pull it down and run with it, and Flacco would not do that he would dump it off to the running backs. Um, so that's – and, you know, uh, he, he does seem to um, gravitate to dumping off the tight end, so that's why Fant had a better game. So it's just something to monitor. It's a one-game sample, but just something to monitor. Um, so, so Freeman should be on your bench this week. Raybon, who are you relatively low on this week? The Eagles run game, Jordan Howard, uh, mostly because uh, I think Miles Sanders can do some things in the pass game. But, you know, I, I think you have to fade these running backs that – uh, are, are dependent mostly on touchdown scoring and, and, get, and getting fed a lot of carries and positive game script when there is a, a decent chance that they're not. Like, so this is where I think – like what Matt was saying about, about Brian Hill, um, you know, he's so cheap in DFS and, uh, that I don't think it matters. But a guy like Howard, I would try to bench this week in, um, in season-long weeks just because uh, the Patriots, you know, coming off uh, a loss, coming off a bye, um, all of these things they tend to produce above expectation at um, and kind of smash – um, you know, in that next week. So uh, this could be a, a tough spot. You know, I know the Eagles are at home, but this could be a tough spot for them. Again, you know, Lamar Jackson is one thing. Uh, Carson Wentz and this Eagles offense is a whole nother thing, and they've, they, they haven't been really good all year. All right, Sean, hit us with the prop. Uh, so I'm going to go with Damian Williams, total rushing and receiving yards. You know, he had the, the big game. LaShawn McCoy was inactive uh, probably due to fumbling issues. Um, so Damian got the start, and then he had a pretty costly fumble for uh, it got returned for a touchdown. So curious to hear uh, where you guys have Williams this week. Um, I, I have his over under at seventy two and a half right now. I will take the under. I have him projected for a nice sixty nine. So uh, that's nice. where I'm going to be. Uh, yeah, I have him just under two. I mean, this Casey backfield has been just miserable to project <laughs> all year. So I wouldn't be surprised if like Williams gets two carries next week. Uh, <laughs> right. It's it's tough. Right, and it's not like we can ignore them. I mean, there's just too much potential there. So, I mean, th- yeah. this week's going to be pretty tough. I mean, McCoy could end up being, you know, the guy that gets 15, 20 touches this game. We just don't know. I'd pick him I mean, up. Yeah, how do we even do this without knowing if McCoy is active? This is one of those lines that should be off until the actives, come, the inactives get released. Because it's like, how do you know? Can you set a line on that, Sean? Like, would, like what are the odds of one, of one of the two being scratched? Like, whether it's Williams or McCoy this week? I think they're done scratching McCoy. <laughs> um, if anything, it'll be Darwin Thompson again that gets scratched. Aww. But I know there were some issues. Uh, you know, when McCoy got, when McCoy got scratched, uh, I loaded up on the Damian Williams over props. And I think one of the books... Um, canceled them because they, they said they, they weren't sure which D Williams it was because, you know, they have Daryl as well. Oh, um, wow. Which is, which is interesting. But, you know, 
you know, these four running backs, one of them will emerge, I think, in the fantasy playoffs. Um, so I think it's it's worth always just investing in these KC um, running backs to have on your bench for the time being. But hopefully, hopefully one of them emerges in the next couple of weeks. I, the Chargers give up a lot of yards to opposing running backs. They're a run funnel defense, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And they spread you out, and they make it very difficult to stop anyone at any time, right? So he's going to be facing a lot of nickel defense against a team that wants you to run the ball, is coaxing you to run the ball. So I'll take the over just on that alone. And he has, he has the breakaway speed. Right, So he is uh, one of the faster running backs in the league, especially for those over 220 pounds. So for that reason, also assuming that if LaShawn McCoy was inactive last week, there's no reason why he wouldn't be inactive this week. There's, there's been no injuries in that backfield. Uh, he had one fumble. Damien Williams is a veteran. So ideally, that it, it, it wouldn't be held against him because he's a veteran. The, the matchup is enticing. If we know McCoy to be inactive, I'll take the over. How about that? Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Joining us for our weekly DFS interlude is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSU Ram88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, Week 10, how was it? Week 10 was good. I, I did well in cash games. I uh, had a good week. I have not done as well in DraftKings uh, over the last year or so, and I actually got top five in the gridiron, which was a month-long tournament and uh, placed well. My main tournament team did well in DraftKings, so hoping to keep grinding, and uh, yeah, it was a good week. All right, on to week 11. Uh, how do you think you are approaching cash games and GPPs? I think it's pretty wide open. There's a lot of different uh, plays that we have. We'll see what news breaks, uh, but it's pretty wide open in terms of construction. I have a lot of plays I like, cheap, mid-tier, and expensive. So as we sit here on Tuesday, hard to tell exactly how I'm going to build, but I have a lot of plays I like. All right, let's uh, start to get into those plays at quarterback who has caught your eye. Well, I think if you want to go cheap, Kyle Allen makes the most sense. He's 5,300 on DraftKings going against Atlanta. I know the Saints just played poorly versus this defense, but I'm going to look at that as more of an anomaly. Uh, Atlanta's been awful defensively all year, and I think Kyle Allen can uh, have a great game here. Uh, you get a little exposure to Christian McCaffrey this way, uh, You know him throwing the ball to Christian, and uh, 5,300. I like spending down at quarterback. He's a nice option. Uh, in the mid-tier, towards the expensive range, I think Dak Prescott stands out quite a bit. Uh, definitely want exposure to Dallas players, looking to stack him with Amari and Michael Gallup. And then all the way at the top, you know, Lamar Jackson has just been so ridiculously good as a huge floor uh, and obviously has the highest ceiling with his rushing upside. So against Houston, who could actually push the, the Ravens a bit, I think Lamar Jackson has the highest ceiling. And to your point about Kyle Allen, uh, he's definitely popping in many of our DraftKings models at Fantasy Labs. At running back, uh, who are you looking at right now? So running back's probably the toughest position right now. I think it's uh, definitely a a tricky position relative to other weeks. Obviously at the top, uh, you can go with Chris McCaffrey. He's really, really expensive. So that's the the challenge, 10-5. We saw last week he really needs to go nuts to pay off, but I still think he's a good play. Uh, So at the top, I like Christian McCaffrey. 
that's not news to anyone. I think in the mid-tier, I like Josh Jacobs the most. Cincinnati's been really, really bad for running backs. And Josh Jacobs has been awesome uh, for, you know, basically the last month or so. Didn't have a great game versus the Texans, but three touchdowns his last two games, getting a lot of opportunity. And starting to see some more involvement in the passing game. Five targets last week was encouraging. So I'm on Josh Jacobs. And then if you need a punt, uh, Kalen Village for the Dolphins got a lot of work last week. Uh, it's brutal trying to roster a Dolphin versus the Bills, but 20 carries last week as well as four targets in the passing game. Hard to get that much volume, or it's not possible to find that much volume really outside of Village for that price tag. Yeah, to your point about Jacobs, double-digit home favorite going against a Bengals uh, defense that is top four in running back scoring and has allowed pretty much any running back who touches the ball at least you know eight eight times a game to go off. So a good situation for him there at wide receiver. Who are you looking at? Yeah. My favorite wide receiver on the board this week is uh, actually probably going to be Mike Evans uh, or Chris Godwin. I really want to use this Tampa Bay receivers. No, new Orleans has been somewhat stingy on defense. I respect their defensive line a lot, but uh, I want exposure to that game. And I think those receivers could be interesting, especially coming off a week where they were chalky and didn't exceed uh, expectations. They were both pretty average. Uh, you know, I think they're both really strong plays. Uh, you know, in the mid-tier, DJ Moore, you're going to play Allen. I think he's a really nice stack. Uh, 5900 on DraftKings is a pretty nice price tag, given the opportunity. He's seen, you know, no fewer than nine targets the last four games really starting to rack up a total amount of targets and went over 100 yards the last two games as well without a touchdown. So a big ceiling game could be here in the mix for DJ Moore. And then in terms of punts, you got some pretty ugly options. Uh, Hunter Renfro is popping for me right now. Uh, you know, coming into the the season, you know, you had all the, the hype around uh, DK Metcalf and there's those funny pictures of Metcalf next to Renfro. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism, but uh, man, he's been getting it done. And at 4K, uh, he's a nice contrarian pivot off Jacobs and uh, exposure to this Oakland offense, which you mentioned is a big home favorite. I'm with you there on Evans. One thing that's in his favor is that uh, Marshawn Lattimore uh, left last game with a thigh injury. I'm expecting he's probably going to be out this game. Even if he's active, I think he will be limited. So uh, a right. good situation for Evans. Finally, tight ends. Who are you looking at right now? Yeah, I mean, you want to play basically uh, – well, there's a couple things. Let me. The first thing is if Kittle – is healthy. He's, I just, I'm a huge George Kittle fan. Uh, you know, it's cool to hear Kyle Shanahan say he is uh, their best player. We won't know until later in the week, but man, OJ Howard got it going against Arizona. They've just been uh, giving up so many fantasy points to tight ends. So if George Kittle's okay. I will pay the price tag, even with the injury concern. Cheaper down, I think Greg Olson, you know, we've talked a lot about all the Carolina players. He's another piece you could go to. I think he's fine. Eric Ebron, uh, I think, will be on the field a lot given the lack of receivers that this team has. So uh, he's another play that I think is interesting, kind of in that lower tier. And then Zach Ertz, uh, you know, he's priced way down going against the Patriots. Uh, the Eagles coming off a bye um, as well as the Patriots. So that's an interesting game to me. I think Zach Ertz uh, is a decent play. And then the better play in that same range is probably Darren Waller going against the Bengals. All right, and then finally, any stacks that uh, you think have some value but might be lower owned? Yeah, so one stack uh, that has a ton of value. I'm not sure how it's going to be owned, um, but Drew Brees to any of the pass catchers, it's crazy what they did to Michael Thomas's price. I mean, they made Michael Thomas 9900 So he's really expensive, so that could be a pay-up to be contrarian type spot. But I definitely want to be buying Drew Brees off a really poor game 
I think it's a really nice bounce back spot. Tampa Bay, uh, probably the biggest funnel in the NFL. Great against the run, really bad against the pass. So Drew Brees to literally Michael Thomas, if you want to be contrarian. I don't hate Ted Ginn. Don't hate Jared Cook. Uh, Traquan Smith came back. Alvin Kamara's there. So that's uh, a lot of value, I think, in buying the dip on these uh, New Orleans guys. And I think there's a ton of upside against this Tampa Bay defense, which has gotten killed, uh, as you noted in your cornerback uh, receiver article. Uh, they have just been putrid versus receivers. So I want Saints offense this week after a bad game against the Falcons. Yep, I'm right there with you. That was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week 11. Okay, let's get to the wide receivers. Matt Kelly. We have Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins at the top of our rankings. What are your thoughts on those guys? Anyone else you think should be in the top tier? Michael Thomas, right? Is Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas. Although I think he's going to be hurt by the fact that there's no Vernon Hargreaves. We talked about this earlier. Uh, you wish that there was a Vernon Hargreaves that he could just beat like a drum on the outside. But 9900 on DraftKings, I mean, I think is he's priced up so high that you maybe use him in tournaments with the idea that the ownership will be low because he's priced up so high. But I think that some will look at the matchup and just find a way to play Michael Thomas anyway. So it's just hard to build a case for Michael Thomas in tournaments at 9.9K on DraftKings. But, I mean, he is the number one wide receiver across the board. I mean, I can't construct an argument for not having him number one. All right. And then uh, anyone else you are relatively high on at the position? Amari Cooper, right? I mean, how good was Amari Cooper last week? Amari Cooper has been hurt all year. Remember, he hurt his foot in preseason. He hurt his knee midseason, and he's finally healthy. And when he's finally healthy, no one creates more separation at the target point than Amari Cooper. And what do he do? Oh, I don't know. Against Minnesota, the most overrated secondary in the league, oh, 14 targets, close to 150 yards and a touchdown. Now he goes up against the Lions defense, and they allow a lot of yards on the ground and through the air. So the only thing holding him back is the negative, the, the positive game script. Once you get into the second half, they may shut him down come fourth quarter. But you know, Chris mentioned this earlier. They have to score their points somehow. And it could be that Amari Cooper gets most of his production in the first half. And so what? He'll get there either way. I'm surprised he's only 7.7K on DraftKings. I thought they would bid him up a little bit more, but... It was, I think they played Sunday night. So because it was a Sunday night game, they released the prices for the Sunday, the next Sunday's slate before the game starts. So his salary has not yet been adjusted. That's why you're going to see big ownership on Amari Cooper this week. You could actually argue to fade him based on ownership, potentially. It's a tricky spot. Sean, who are you relatively high on? Uh, so I'm going with DJ Moore again this week. Um, he's only 5,900. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week three, but, you know, with the high team total this week, it, it's bumping up everybody in my model. Um, he's due to score, and I think that's why the buzz for him's sort of been at bay. Uh, but he's just racking up targets, catches, and yards. So th this is a great spot for him at uh, 59K. This, this is probably the last time you're going to get him below 6K, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, Debo Samuel, we got sort of the uh, Monday Night Football price discount with him. Um, at 4K, um, especially if um, Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle don't suit up. He's going to be extremely chalky at this price. Um, and, you know, he went off for eight catches, 112 
yards. So if, if those two guys are out, they'll, they'll lean on him heavily and 4K is just a steals. <laughs> People are going to be able to spend down and, um, you know, they'll probably be able to fit in Michael Thomas. Like you said earlier, I, I don't think people are going to shy away just because he's 9.9K. If values like Samuel pop up, yeah, more people will be on Thomas and yeah, Cooper. Cooper at seventy seven hundred. I agree. I think he's going to be uh, pretty highly owned. And you you mentioned that he's uh, packed one hundred percent. I don't think that's true. I think he's he's playing through a few injuries, so it's scary to think you know how well he's playing given he's not at one hundred percent. No, I think he's as yeah. healthy as he's been. Exactly. So I agree with you there. We're on the same page. Rayvon, who are you relatively high on? At the top, I think Julio Jones. Uh, you know, everyone's going to kind of. Say that the Panthers tough matchup in the past game, which I think they are. Uh, but we've seen Julio Jones kind of come through in some some really uh, in the past in some tough matchups. So um, you know now you got Hooper, looks like he's going to be out. You got Freeman out. That's about twenty uh, over about thirty percent of the targets. There's no guarantee that that you know gets redistributed to like a Russell Gage or um, you know those guys. So I, I love Julio Jones just in kind of like a monster target week. Uh, in a week that people might not be thinking about him as much. Uh, and then going down the list, uh, Terry McLaurin uh, has been uh, a guy that we haven't r- really been able to play because Washington's been in all these low-scoring kind of games. But I think against this Jets defense, uh, I think he has some potential. I think people are going to overlook him because the, the total is so low. But um, he's one of the best young receivers in the league, and I think he has monster potential against the bad Jets uh, defense. I think Jamison Crowder has huge uh, volume upside. Sam Darnold and him, his, their connection has been really good. Uh, I think it's now 80 yards in four of the six games with with Darnold for for Crowder. So, um, you know, and including that 14 catch game he had in week one. So, uh, like him going a, a little further down uh, the pricing. I think you're going to see a lot of Chris Godwin in the player profiler DFS lineup genius GPPs because he's not facing Marshawn Lattimore. So whenever you see a true number one corner matching up with Mike Evans, that's always a cue to move off Evans and and go over to Godwin. So when you see one of these prototypical shadow corners, and I know that Marshawn Lattimore hasn't been playing well this year necessarily, and neither has Patrick Peterson, they do suppress the target share in the weeks that they line up across from you know, a, a prototypical X receiver like a Mike Evans. If there's going to be points scored, right, someone has to score the points, right? And you can imagine it being Godwin. All right, this is actually a, a week where I think I am going to be on Evans for a few reasons. And, and not to discount some of what you said there, because uh, Godwin is always in play every week because he has immense talent. But uh, Evans leads the league in air yards and yards after the catch combined on a per-game basis. And, and more importantly, I think Lattimore is likely to be out or limited this week because of the thigh injury he had last week. Uh, And so that means that everything gets better for all of those Tampa Bay players. So you have Eli Apple, who's going to be shadowing, I'm assuming is going to be shadowing Evans. PJ Williams is going to go outside. And that means that Chauncey Gardner Phillips or whatever his name is, like the the third string safety who's a rookie is going to be playing uh, in the slot. So a great spot for Godwin and a better spot for Evans as well but for the per the fantasy labs NFL trends tool if you had played Mike Evans and Chris Godwin together every week like regardless who just put both of them in uh you would have averaged out to uh 43.8 points combined and, and plus 13 plus minus essentially so uh, I think it's pretty good 
Yeah, like this. Oh my god! This is maybe a spot where you you just stack both of those guys. They should be the top like two or three price receivers. Can I take year. back what I said earlier? I'm going over on Drew Brees. Sorry, Sean. We we got to change our opinion here. <laughs> this changes everything. Stack Winston, Evans, Godwin, and the Saints defense for when he throws a couple picks. Uh, the <laughs> ultimate stack. Oh, definitely love it. Love <laughs> that. Right. Love right. throwing the defense in there. Kelly, who are you relatively low on? Uh, Stephon Diggs. I mean, Denver's defense is a run funnel defense. Like they want you to run the ball, and the you know Chris Harris is a is I think the ideal matchup. You know, if you're looking at cornerbacks that can handle a guy like Stephon Diggs, he's not too big. He's sort of a slot corner plus, and I think those guys do the best against Stephon Diggs. So I think this is going to be the Dalvin Cook show, and I think that even without. Adam Thielen, you're expecting, oh, no Adam Thielen. Wow, it's going to be definitely play digs. And you certainly should, depending on your, your roster and seasonal leagues, you're probably playing digs anyway. But I'm relatively low on him because in these types of matchups where you have a strong running game at home and going up against a strong secondary, I mean, all the headwinds are lining up to throttle Stephon Diggs' production this week. Bro, I, I, I did a double take when I, when I ran my projections and I saw where Stefan Diggs ended up. He's at number 31. It's just one of those low-scoring projected games that could get, could get ugly for the pass catchers. But also, remember, Mike Zimmer said that Adam Thielen's week-to-week, which we know means month-to-month. So there's no guarantee Thielen plays. There's a lot of fade opportunity there. All right, so Raymond, you are relatively low on Diggs as well. Sean, who are you low on? Uh, I'm going to go with DJ Chark. Um, just, I'm going to be a little bit cautious with him with Foles returning. Um, obviously, a great chemistry with Minshew. I could see Foles, you know, widening the target tree, so to speak. Uh, you know, he had chemistry with D.D. Westbrook um, in the preseason, and D.D.'s supposedly back to 100%. Uh, we know Foles, you know, brought in Chris Connolly. They have chemistry. So I get to see Chark getting a slightly lower target share. So I have him right now as my wide receiver 18. I think his ECR is wide receiver, wide receiver 10. Um, so I'm just going to be a little bit cautious with Foles returning um, to see where this goes. But it, it's not an indictment against Chark's skill set. I think his numbers have matched his talent. But just with, with Foles under center, I'm going to be a little bit careful with him this week in terms of uh, my projections. All right, Sean, uh, I believe that your prop is also for Shark. Uh, go ahead and give it to us. Yeah, exactly. So I want to hear uh, your guys' take on it, um, you know, with Foles returning. Um, I have Chark's receiving yards right now. Uh, they're at Indy. Um, I have it at 60 and a half. I'll still take the over. Uh, I, I get your rationale for why he would maybe be um, less targeted this week, but I have him projected for about 65. Yeah, I have him 4-5 for 65, so I'm going, uh, going over. I'll go under. With D.D. Westbrook back, we don't know how the targets will be distributed. We haven't seen him play in so long. We just don't know what his preferences are going to be, what the game plan is going to be. And inside receivers do better against the Indianapolis Colts. That's how their defense is set up. So – I'm going under on Shark. All right, let's get to the tight ends. The guys at the top of our rankings, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry, but all three of those guys are somewhat uncertain. And, uh, you know, obviously those last two are not on the main slate. Kelly, who has your eye? I mean, Mark Andrews, baby. I mean, all the Mark Andrews. Because you want to play Lamar Jackson, right? And if you're playing uh, Lamar Jackson, you're going to want to play Mark Andrews at tight end. Uh, that's in the Millie Maker, of course. He's by far and away the best option uh, because of the, the Mexico City game is off the Millie Maker. They might go back to Jack Doyle. We know that Brian Hoyer likes Jack Doyle. I think that there's very few options in that receiving game. We had a lot of drops from uh, everyone in that passing game last week. 
And it seems like the only receiver you can trust in Indianapolis right now is Jack Doyle. So I, I'd, I'd play him. I mean, it's, it's so the position's so thin that it's like, it's like a lock that you're playing Jack Doyle this week. Sean wanting to talk about Eric Ebron is someone he's relatively high on. Yeah, I love uh, Ebron at 3,600. You know, he had that closed-door meeting with Frank Reich last week saying, you know, he wanted to get more involved in the offense. And sure enough, he saw 12 targets. Um, It only resulted in a 556 line. So, you know, he left a lot on the board. He actually caught a touchdown and the ball just slipped out into the Dolphins defender for a, for a pick. He made a pretty bad drop later in the game too, but the opportunity's there. And, you know, hopefully uh, Brissett can return this week or maybe they try to tread Kelly out um, under center. I, I didn't think Hoyer did good at all. But, you know, the opportunity's there, and that's all you can ask for for a tight end under 4K. So give me Eric Ebron. Drops and all. I would feel comfortable playing Jack Doyle in seasonal leagues and in cash games, but in GPPs, I mean, fire up Eric Ebron, baby. Yep, exactly. Raybon, who are you high on? Uh, Jared Cook comes out of nowhere. Now he's up at – he's number seven in the league in uh, air yard share at 20%. Uh, what? Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Now he's going oh. against the Bucks, who are – they are number 29 in DVOA versus the tight end position. So uh, I think this is a matchup where – uh, you know, you, you gotta have to, you're gonna have to pay attention to Michael Thomas, and I think that that's gonna start to help Cook. We've seen his upside in the past. Then you have a good spot for Greg Olson going against the Falcons defense. Um, you know, they're they've just been decimated by injuries. You know, in the secondary, so this is nothing new with them. Uh, you know, they're uh, 18th in DVOA versus tight ends, and this could be a, a higher scoring game. So like Olson and uh, and like Cook this week. And Waller, I mean, Cincinnati is number 31 versus tight ends in DVOA. They have no linebackers. It's just, like you said, the game script. But somebody's got to do something for them to get into positive game script. And they give up a lot more – they give up more production to tight ends than they give up to, like, number one wide receivers and all that. So uh, – Well, he's yeah, averaged 30 yards the last three weeks. Great time to buy a wall. Let's just skip the tight ends we aren't high on because that's basically everyone. Let's get to the the prop because that's what Sean is going to talk about. Yeah, getting to the Darren Waller prop. I already got your guys' take. You guys seem pretty high on him. Um, he was the guy I'm low on because I think this this game script where they're 10-point favorites could hurt him. You know, we've seen him. Uh, he's averaged 16.35 uh, half PPR points in lot, their four losses and only 7.38 on their five wins. So I think he's he's sort of a guy that, that benefits from negative game scripts. Um, either way, I, I have his receiving yards um, at 54 and a half right now. Under. I'll go over. I, I just think this defense is bad enough that all it takes is one big play. And sometimes I think we talk ourselves into all these game scripts. But the bottom line is, I mean, Cincinnati could come out and just like, that Oakwood defense is bad. Ryan Finley could get it going like two touchdowns in the first quarter. Like, I, I think this is one of those high variance games where um, I, I wouldn't mind uh, loading up on some, some Waller. I'll, I'll take the over. I think it's a good line. I'm actually pretty close on it, but I'm slightly to the over. Let's get to the Twitter fantasy questions and let's blaze through them. Mansion, this is from, yeah, okay, dude. Does Brian Hill have a real chance of being the man, not just this year, but next year in Atlanta? No, of course not. Have you seen the running backs that are set to enter the draft in 2020? Oh my God. And you know the Falcons are going to be in the market for a running back. I project the Falcons to draft running back in the second round and immediately render or relegate Brian Hill to backup duties. But he's going to be fantasy relevant for a long time. He was an all-purpose back at Wyoming. He's 220 pounds. He's an above-average athlete across the board. I think he's an adequate at best receiver. He has at least shown that he can catch the ball. He's not the most incompetent 
receiver. And if you're just the backup running back for the Atlanta Falcons, if they could invest in the offensive line next year, plenty of running backs, especially rookie running backs, flame out in their first year for one reason or another. So he's a guy you're going to want to draft next year in the double-digit rounds, assuming he's the backup. But I think he's good. Like, I think that's the big debate. Is Brian Hill good or bad? I think he's good. I think he's going to be in the NFL a long time. But I do believe the Falcons will be drafting a talented running back in the draft. All right, Sean, this is from Triple Crown. With the loss of Austin Hooper, who should owners be looking at for tight end? Yeah, so I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm in the same predicament. Uh, there's nothing much you can do. You just have to stream tight end. So that involves looking at our rankings and whoever is the highest ranked tight end that is available, you're going to play that guy. It's not pleasant, but that's all you can do. Don't do something stupid like trade uh, you know, David Montgomery way just to get Jared Cook. I, I see people do that where they feel like they need to just have you know, a top 15 tight end just to have on their team. You're just going to have to survive with, you know, like a Noah Fant or – I have a great idea. If a guy named Ryan Griffin is available, he's run 25 or more routes in all three games since Sam Darnold returned until last week, of course, with Chris Herndon. But now Chris Herndon is out again. We're going to see a lot of routes run by Ryan Griffin, and he has double-digit touchdown upside, which we saw in week eight against Jacksonville. Look out for Ryan Griffin. Guy's a stud. Yeah, so exactly. If you you have Hooper, you're going to have to land – you know, garbage like uh, Ryan Griffin uh, for the time being. So hopefully, 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 um, you know, a lot of my Hooper teams are, you know, pretty much set for the playoffs. Hopefully he'll be back for the fancy playoffs and, you know, you'll just have to survive the next couple weeks with him. So, so hopefully he's back in three weeks. All right. Final question here. Raybon Uh, is Todd Gurley toast or is it a product of the O-line? Uh, it is a, a product of the O-line. It's also a product of just they do really want to kind of limit his workload. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you're going to get more uh, of the same from him. You're going to get about 15 carries. You're going to get, you know, good games when he has touchdown variants go on his side and he gets one or two and some bad games when he doesn't. But um, still a top 24 uh, running back in my opinion. All right, everyone, be sure to follow Matt on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore Oddsmaker. Chris Raybon and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode.